Today's Bible reading comes from Mark 12, verse 28 to 34. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbour as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. G'day church, uh, back for week two of Church Online. Good to be here together, if virtually, but still gathered together um, around God's word. Um, uh, first time for me doing this, speaking to you in this way. It's very different to uh, the normal thing at church, so we'll see how we go. I've already done one take that didn't work too well, uh, so we'll, uh, we'll um, see how this time goes. But we've got a great passage from God's word to, to get uh, stuck in together today and to hear from um, uh, so uh, that's what we're going to do. Be helpful to have your Bibles open uh, if uh, you're reading along for, uh, on your Bibles in front of you. It's uh, there's also something on the screen uh, over to I think that side of your screens. Uh, you should be able to find a Bible tab with the passage there. But we've got uh, really what is a, a, a passage that's at the heart of Mark's Gospel, a really important one. It's also a really important passage in the whole Bible, actually. Uh, Mark chapter 12, uh, 28 to 34. Uh, and uh, so we're going to look at that in a moment. But um, uh, before we get there, though, uh, it's moments of crisis, isn't it, um, that uh, really help to give a bit of clarity, I guess, to what's really important in life. Uh, it's that whole thing about the house is burning down. Uh, what do you take with you? You're probably not going to take the toaster unless you've got a really souped up toaster. I don't know, but you're probably not going to grab that. You'll, uh, you'll, you'll probably go for the kids before the toaster. Um, you're going to look for what's most important. It'll reveal what's really important to you, those irreplaceable things. Uh, and it might be that this crisis that we're going through at the moment, the coronavirus and everything that's happening, uh, that's um, yeah, really thrown us as a society, and I know thrown many of us individually as well, and had serious impacts on our lives, um, has kind of given us a kind of a sense of fear that we didn't... Um, haven't experienced before, it might be that this crisis is going to help us reflect on that as well, that whole question of what's really most important, what's at the heart, what's, what's most important about you and about your life. Um, when you get to the end, of the end of your life, which we all will at some point or other, uh, what's going to be stamped over your life as the, the key thing, the most important thing? Well, Jesus puts that front and centre for us today uh, in this great passage in Mark 12. Um, uh, the context is there's this confrontation that's been going on. Jesus, uh, since our last passage last week, has entered Jerusalem. He's come in with these big crowds hailing him. Uh, he's gone into the temple and 
um, thrown out the money changers. You might, you may be familiar with that scene. That didn't win him too many friends with the religious leaders. And so, uh, throughout um, Mark 11 and 12, there's this confrontation back and forward with all these different groups of religious leaders, um, and uh, they're going back and forth about all different things. Uh, but uh, we find out in this passage that there's one guy who's been looking on. He's kind of been um, standing back and watching Jesus. Um, talking to and fro with all these different religious leaders, uh, the groups of different religious leaders in, in, uh, at the temple and in Jerusalem. Uh, and this guy is watching on and he, he kind of, he, he's quite, um, I guess, drawn to Jesus. He sees that, uh, uh, sees Jesus debating and he, and he, and he uh, wants to ask him a question. Now he's a teacher of the law, we're told, kind of uh, like a a Bible college lecturer, I guess, um, an expert in the Old Testament law, especially those five, first five books of the law, of the Old Testament. Um, uh, and we, we read uh, this in verse 28 of chapter 12. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Uh, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, he asked him this question that, uh, it um, was actually a bit of a common question at the time. Lots of debates thrown around. Uh, the, uh, there were 613 laws in the Old Testament that they'd counted. And there'd uh, be this kind of to and fro about, well, out of all of those, what's the most important? What, what's really at the heart of it? What's, uh, which ones are right at the heart the most important? So this um, guy thinks he'll get Jesus' opinion on this debate, on this issue, this topic. Uh, so we asked in verse 28, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Uh, well, Jesus, um, see what he does here. He just replies straight away. Uh, he doesn't kind of to and fro. He doesn't give um, a number of different possible explanations. He speaks with such authority. He goes straight away. And he quotes two Old Testament passages, one from Deuteronomy uh, and another from Leviticus. But the first one he quotes uh, is this in verse 29. Um, Jesus answers straight away. He says, the most important one is this. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now that's really interesting, isn't it? Uh, Jesus goes back to this passage in Deuteronomy. Um, he, he's, in a moment he's going to get to the command, but this is like the, the, um, the introduction to the command, this most important one. And this is really key. Um, Hear, O Israel. It's, it's this call to hear from God. Oh, who, who are you going to listen to um, about this question? What's the most important thing in your life? What's the most important thing about you? Uh, there's a few different options you could go to. You could, um, you could turn inward, uh, listen to yourself, your own shifting, varied states, emotions and feelings. Uh, you could kind of, you know, while, while you're um, in self-isolating uh, over these next few months. You could bury yourself away and um, go into some meditation and try and hear from the universe about uh, what the most important thing in life is. Um, you could, maybe you're a bit more extroverted than that, and you could uh, get on the phone and interview lots of people and sort of patchwork together a whole bunch of answers about what's really most important. You could do all of those things. Um, but the critical thing uh, that Jesus wants us to do is not so much to turn inwards to ourselves or to turn out to other fallible human beings, uh, but to listen to God, to listen to the one who made us and who loves us and who has authority to teach us. 
Um, so um, this is really important, isn't it? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Uh, the Lord Yahweh, Israel's covenant God, um, he is one, he's, he's unique. Uh, there is no God beside him. Uh, he's the only true and living God. Uh, there may be many other so-called gods, but he is the only true one creator God. Um, maybe that's something that you kind of struggle with, that idea that uh, the God of the Bible is the, the only God. Uh, there's lots to say there, but I'll just uh, point out that um, it's important to see that this is Jesus himself claiming this and saying this. Um, it's Jesus who affirms this, this um, reality. Uh, and so whatever you make of that question, really, it really is to do with whatever, what you make of Jesus. Um, how you respond to that question about is there one true God is really how you respond to the person of Jesus and his claims. Um, his claim here is that that's true, the, the fundamental um, reality of the Old Testament faith, that there is one God who created all things and who formed for himself a people uh, and who gave them great promises and through whom that he would renew the world and fix up the fall and um, all of those things Jesus affirms. And then in verse 30 he gets to the guts of this most important command, um, this intention of God for his people, the, the thing that lies at the heart of God's good purpose for his people. And this is beautiful, isn't it? Um, it's all about love. Verse 30, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And you get the picture, right? There's just this all, all, all. It's this um, all-consuming orientation of your heart and your mind and your will towards God. Uh, but then there's a surprise that Jesus um, brings before us in verse 31. He says that this most important command, this intention of God for his people, this most important command is to love God. It's this kind of vertical relationship to uh, that's really um, at the heart of what it means to be human and it means to be uh, one of God's people. Uh, but that, uh, this is really important. That, that relationship with God, it's not like a relationship where you kind of cut yourself off, you go and uh, live on a mountainside uh, and just commune with God and uh, cut yourself off from the world. Uh, uh, Jesus sees these two things as just uh, totally connected. Uh, it's not as if um, loving God more means detaching from the world. It's the complete opposite to that. Uh, loving God means that we'll flow out in loving our neighbours, loving people, loving this world. Uh, because God is the one who loves this world, who loves people. God's the one who, uh, who, who didn't go off and stay distant, but who came into his creation in the person of Jesus and, uh, and who um, wants relationship with people. Uh, and so verse 31, there's this a bit of a surprise. Um, the teacher of the law asks for the greatest command uh, and Jesus has given it. But then he goes on. There's, a, there's another part to this, a second half, a second part. Um, the second is this, he says in verse 31, love your neighbor as yourself. 
uh, love your neighbour. Um, he doesn't say love those who are easy to love, <laughs> love those who love you back. Um, he says love your neighbour and that's a really general kind of idea. And there's another account you might be familiar of in one of the Gospels uh, where Jesus um, talks about who is your neighbour and he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan uh, and he, the, the, he, he teaches through that parable that basically your neighbour is anyone and everyone, especially those who are in need of your help. Um, love your neighbour, those, those people who God has placed in your life around you as yourself. Now, um, we all, I mean, it's kind of just natural for us, isn't it? We all, our thought, my thoughts and uh, are all kind of taken up with my own um, worries and anxieties and joys and projects. Uh, but what Jesus is saying here is at the heart of God's intention for his people is uh, to shift that, uh, to, um, to expand that. <laughs> So that our, um, we're, we're not just loving ourselves, but actually uh, our love grows to include our neighbour in the same kind of a way, with the same focus, with the same attention uh, as we would give to ourselves. Jesus says there's no commandment greater than these. And the man's pretty impressed with this, this teacher of the law. He, he replies in verse 32, Well said, teacher. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength. That's like with all your capacity, with everything that you have, all your resources. And to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And Jesus sees that this guy has answered wisely in verse 34. And he says, to him, uh, he says to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. So you get this picture of this guy, right? He's, um, he comes off pretty well, I think. Um, he comes off in a lot of ways better than lots of other people, better than Jesus' own disciples who've spent lots of time with him. He comes off really well. Um, he, he comes to Jesus, not and not kind of antagonistic. Uh, he receives it. He, he he says he totally agrees with everything Jesus has said. He says, "Yes, you're right. This is," and Jesus calls him wise. I mean, that's a pretty big rap for this guy. Um, he comes off pretty well, but did you notice though? There's a bit of a there's a bit of a sting in the tail of what Jesus says. You are not far from the kingdom of God. On the one hand, that's an encouragement, but there's also something a little bit um, a li that has a little bit of an edge to it, right? A bit of a warning, even. Um, this is a guy who's given his life to uh, devoted to the Word of God, to studying God's law, and Jesus says he doesn't say you're in the kingdom of God. He says you're not far from it. He wants him to keep going, and he uh, I I take it that he's encouraged that this man will end up entering the kingdom through coming to Jesus and recognizing who he is and putting his trust in him but at this point this guy is not actually in the kingdom what's going on there well I, I, I take it that this is a bit of a problem for this guy and it's a problem for us actually with this passage uh, you see while he while this guy can see that 
uh, he can see the heart of God's intentions for his people. He can see that that uh, is love, love for God, love for other people. It's more important than all the other things. That's right at the heart, the center. That's what God, that's his great desire for his people. This guy can see it, but he can't do it. He can't do it. He can see it, but he can't do it. I think that's what Jesus is getting at when he's saying you're, you're, you're not far from it, but you're not in it. He can't do it. And friends, neither, neither can we, actually. Neither can you. Neither can I. Um, see what's, what's pictured here? This complete, wholehearted love for God, that this whole giving of my life to Him, <sighs> this totally self-sacrificial giving of myself to the people around me in love. Um, I am so far off from that, and I know you are too. Um, and so while this is really a beautiful picture, I mean, this is such a stunning picture, right? I mean, if, if, if you could actually live this way, if we all lived this way, I mean, you wouldn't need to lock your doors. <laughs> um, you know, we'd, it, it, it would be heaven, actually. Uh, but it's just not the case, is it? You and I are not like this. We don't love like this. And that's actually what is really beautiful here is actually for us bad news. Um, because the greatest command shows us our greatest sin, our greatest failing, our greatest need. Um, the, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Uh, and so what is really beautiful here ends up actually condemning us. Um, because we, we, we can't do this. We, we can't fulfill this. My friends, here's where I want to lead us to in, in this reflection. That the wonderful news of the gospel is that Jesus fulfills this perfectly, fully, amazingly for us. He fulfills it for us. Uh, he perfectly loved his Father Without without any stain or spot, he 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 lived in complete love for his father and in perfect self-giving, wonderful love uh, to his neighbour, to the people around him. And in his death, he pays for our sin and what would lead us to the the judgment and condemnation that we deserve actually leads us through Jesus to. Forgiveness and life, and to receive God's love for us. So, what's most important, what's kind of stamped over our life now, is not our efforts to do this, to, to sort of pull ourselves up and just get better at loving. What's stamped over our life is the love of God for us, the perfect love of God for us through the gospel. Um, the Apostle John in 1 John uh, chapter 4 writes, um, that in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Um, that's where love comes from. Not our love primarily, firstly, for God. That's not foundational. 
through the gospel what's foundational, what holds us, what, um, what is our life and identity is the perfect love of God for us in Jesus. And that's really wonderful news. Now that's transforming news because that love's going to fill us up and it's going to actually, by God's Spirit, enable us to start to love like this, actually, um, to see God's good intention for us. Uh, is at its heart love. Uh, to grow in love for God and to, to grow in love for our neighbour. We can't do it on our own. We can do it through Christ and His Spirit within us. So I just want to leave us with a couple of quick uh, questions, I guess. We're in a really difficult time, an unusual time with the coronavirus. Uh, and perhaps um, this is something that we can continue to reflect on and chat about. Maybe we can chat about it in your, um, in your uh, family groups at home or um, uh, during the week on Zoom or Facebook or email. But um, what I think would be helpful for us to reflect on today is thinking ahead to coming out of this time. It's an unusual time. But just think ahead to when we're out of it. What would it look like for us to come out of this time more deeply in love with God than when we started? More, more genuine, more um, knowing of God, uh, knowing Him through His Word, uh, more intimately connected to Him through prayer. What, what would it look like for you to come out of this really disturbing and disrupting time uh, with a deeper and more, more settled and more transforming and all-consuming love for God? Uh, that's, that's going to be based on God's love for you, and it needs to be. So the first thing to do for that is to keep reminding yourself of the gospel. Keep hearing his word and his promise and his declaration to you that in Christ you are loved. Uh, but what's that going to look like for you as, you, as the, his love then flows out and lifts your eyes back up to him in response? Um, what's it going to look like for, uh, to the end of this time uh, what could it look like for us to, to be more connected with each other, more loving of each other than when we started? That would be a wonderful thing, right? To be more connected, more um, serving of one another through this time than before. Um, you've got your con church contact list. That's just a great tool for, I mean, I said that last week, but um, maybe you could even say something like, look, just give it a give it a shot. Try once a day calling one one person on that list. Um, yeah, try calling someone that you don't necessarily know. That might be a bit scary, but hey, um, God called you when you didn't know Him. So uh, it, it, we're all in, in this together. We're all um, part of the same church family, and uh, just to check up on one another and see how you're going, see how you can pray for one another. Um, there are other ways. That's just maybe a, a, some food for thought, a suggestion. How, how are you going to come out of this time loving one another better than when you started? More connected, more um, serving of one another in, in Christ-shaped ways. Last thought, how are, you, how are you going to come out of this time um, loving your community more better? Wouldn't it, what would it take for our church to come out of this unusual season with a reputation as those who uh, in, in the face of all the fear and all of the 
self-preservation, those who were outward looking, those who seek to bless others, uh, those who checked in on our neighbours. Uh, there's lots of practical kind of ideas around that that you can chase up, um, uh, connecting with your neighbours in creative ways. Um, but uh, wouldn't that be a fantastic thing to aim for, for us as a church? Um, friends, there's lots to think, more to think through there, but can I pray for us? Uh, our Father, we thank you for your amazing love for us. We know that in our hearts we have turned away from you, uh, that we don't love you as we ought, uh, and we confess that to you, Lord. Uh, we don't love our neighbour as we ought. We, we are filled with our own self-centeredness so often. But we thank you, Lord, from the bottom of our hearts for the, the amazing love that you have poured into us through the gospel when we didn't deserve it. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his death on the cross for us to wipe our sins away, to bring us close to you. And Lord, we pray that that love might fill us up, flow out of us to each other and to the world. Um, Lord, um, we ask that at the end of this time, our love for you, our love for each other, and our love for our world will be more, um, more deeper, more um, earnest and passionate, more, more practical. Uh, and we pray that for your glory and um, for the progress of the gospel so that your word will continue to go out and transform many people for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.